I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. Thoughts from the Hairy Head, the weekly podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 87 of Thoughts from the Hairy Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. This week is going to be another Ask Me Anything episode. I thought I would do another Ask Mike Anything episode, and I solicited questions on my Facebook page, and I actually got a lot more questions than I'm going to be able to answer today, but I'm going to hit some of the highlights, and some of them are, are very much in line with what I normally talk about on the podcast, and some of the questions are kind of off the wall, but in all fairness, I did say you could ask me anything, so... Uh, we'll, we'll answer some of these questions now. I want to start with the uh, most substantive and, uh, quite frankly, one of the more difficult ones to answer. The question was, Mike, what power over immigration did the states delegate to the general government in the compact between the states? What did Jefferson and Madison say about this in the issue of state sanctuary, respectively, in their Kentucky and Virginia resolutions? So this is a great question, and Really, I need to do an entire episode on immigration, but I've kind of hesitated to do it because, quite honestly, this is a constitutional issue that I'm not as well-versed on as many others. I've not done, I've not done a lot of research into the founding era uh, views on immigration. You know, I, I think part of that is because it wasn't really that big of an issue. I mean, there wasn't any federal legislation on immigration until the late 1800s. And I really get the impression that immigration wasn't something that was on the radar of the founding generation uh, to any great degree. The Constitution does give the federal government the power to establish a uniform rule of naturalization. That's in Article 1, Section 8, the powers granted to Congress. So the federal government has the authority to create uniform rules of naturalization. Now, a lot of people conflate naturalization and immigration, and really they're two different things. Uh, Naturalization is the act of adopting an alien into a nation and clothing him with all the rights possessed by a natural-born citizen. So this is the the citizenship issue. And the federal government clearly has uh, complete authority over that. But the Constitution is silent on the issue of immigration. It does not delegate the federal government any power over immigration, at least not specifically. So under the Tenth Amendment, which provides that all powers that are not delegated to the federal government remain with the states and the people, 
immigration actually in the constitutional framework is a state issue. So it should be up to the states to control their borders. So this issue actually came up in 1798 when Congress passed the Alien and Sedition Acts, and my questioner alludes to that. Thomas Jefferson was vehemently opposed to the Alien and Sedition Acts, and part of the act was that the president was given the authority to deport certain aliens who were considered quote-unquote dangerous. This is what Jefferson wrote regarding the Alien Acts in the Kentucky Resolutions. He said, Alien friends are under the jurisdiction and protection of the laws of the state wherein they are, that no power over them has been delegated to the United States nor prohibited to the individual states distinct from their power over citizens. And it being true as a general principle, and one of the amendments to the Constitution having also declared that the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution nor prohibited by it to the states are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. And the Act of Congress of the United States, entitled An Act Concerning Aliens, which assumes powers over alien friends not delegated by the Constitution, is not law, but is altogether void and of no force. So clearly, Thomas Jefferson believed that immigration and who was within the borders of a state remained an issue for the states to decide and control, not the federal government. Immigration, in Jefferson's mind, was clearly a role for the states, uh, distinct from naturalization. Now, I say this with a caveat. There is some founding-era evidence that there may be some authority for the federal government to regulate immigration through the Commerce Clause because uh, the Commerce Clause allows regulation of shipping and also through the Treaty Clause. I think the Commerce Clause argument is pretty weak. I think the Treaty Clause argument has some possible validity, but if anything, the power of the federal government over immigration is very, very limited, and it is at least shared with the states. I'm going to post an article on the show notes page that goes deeper into the Alien and Sedition Acts and Jefferson's response that will uh, kind of flesh out some of what I'm talking about in terms of the federal power over immigration. So you can check that out there. Uh, Next question, which three Supreme Court justices do you believe most closely adhered to the Constitution as ratified? Well, I'm afraid I can't answer that question because honestly, I don't know enough about the Uh, politically connected lawyers through history to answer the question. I don't really think any of them probably adhered to the Constitution as ratified. Uh, I'm sure that some were better than others, but honestly, I'm not well-versed in this history, and I can't answer this question, so I'm just going to leave that as a big I don't know. Next question. How much do you think a random Cheeto in the likeness of Donald Trump would fetch on eBay? Well, I'm not sure, but the amount would definitely be bigly. Okay, this is my favorite of all the questions, even though it has nothing to do with the Constitution or politics or political decentralization or anything like that. Who do you think is going to win the Stanley Cup this year? Uh, This person knows that hockey is my favorite sport and one of my favorite things. Um, You know, that's always a tough question. I mean... You know, you look at the at the teams going in. This year's been uh, there's been a lot of balance in the NHL, and uh, I don't see that anybody's really like the runaway favorite. And of course, there's so many factors that go into it. You know, I believe the Stanley Cup is the most difficult trophy in sports to win, and I'd be happy to argue that with anybody. Um, 
and there's so many factors. I mean, you get injuries and and uh, goaltending and and whatnot. But I think right now, before the playoffs start, I think I'd have to say that if I was going to pick a favorite, I would pick the Washington Capitals. I think. Alex Ovechkin's finally going to get his Stanley Cup. I like the balance on the team. I like the moves that they made in the offseason last year. Uh, if Holtby can hold up and uh, keep pucks out of the net, I think the uh, Caps have as good a chance as anybody. And, you know, it's interesting because they, they're going to win the President's Cup this year with the most points. And a lot of times the President Cups, most of the time, the President's Cup winner does not end up winning you know playoff hockey is different than uh, regular season hockey but I still I like the build and the makeup of this Caps team so that's what I'm going to go with next question what is the fastest land animal that's easy a politician running from responsibility and that brings us to our final question which is a little bit more serious and back in the normal theme of the show This questioner asks, what should states do to make sure they can stand up to the federal government and not get bullied around? Well, that's simple. And James Madison gave us the blueprint. It's refuse to cooperate with officers of the union. The federal government depends on state action to enforce almost all of its laws and to implement all of its programs. If the states simply refuse to provide that cooperation, refuse to provide the resources, the federal government can't do much of anything. So if the states would simply stand up and say, no, we're not going to help, the federal government wouldn't be able to implement national health care, enforce gun control, fight the drug war. Virtually everything that the federal government does could be shut down by a refusal to cooperate. States just need to say no. Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from Meharry Head. We're another 10 minutes closer to freedom. I really appreciate you listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor and spread the word. And feel free to send me any thoughts or ideas to michael.meharry at 10th Center.com. And if you haven't done it already, head over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. It is free. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.